Hello and welcome to another episode of Muslims Want to Know, the show where I try to answer the questions you have about the Bible and Christianity. I'm your host, Reverend Eric Mason. Before we get to our question today, I want to remind you to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. The more reviews the podcast receives, the more it comes up as a recommendation for others. The more it comes up as a recommendation, the more other folks get a chance to hear answers to their thoughtful questions. And speaking of questions, if you have specific questions about what you hear on the show, or want me to elaborate a bit more on a topic, send a direct message on Twitter to at Islam's Questions. Also, if you want to support this podcast, visit www.safcchicago.com forward slash donate. As always, each podcast builds on the information from the previous ones, so if you're joining us for the first time, I recommend going back and listening to the previous episodes before resuming this one. Here is our recap. In our last conversation, you and I looked at the answer to the question, What is the story of the Bible? Part 7, God's Growing Family. Using the Nicene Creed as our starting point, we looked at what happened next in the story of the Bible, beginning with Pentecost. We then took a look at the growth of the early church as it spread from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the world. We walked through almost the entirety of the New Testament and ended with a discussion of the final book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, the Apostle John received a vision of the events of the world leading to the return of Lord Jesus, the return of the King. And that brings us to today's episode. Today we're continuing our previous conversations by entering our eighth installment of our series titled, What is the Story of the Bible? Today's episode is subtitled, The Return of the King. Now, before we continue our conversation, let me open with a brief prayer. God, open the eyes of our hearts that we may hear your words and understand and do your will, for we are sojourners upon the earth. Do not hide your commandments from us, but open our eyes that we may perceive the wonders of your law. Speak to us the hidden and secret things of your wisdom. Enlighten our minds and understanding with the light of your knowledge not just to cherish those things written, but to seek after you by doing them. Amen. Well, like we've been doing the last several episodes, we're going to start our time today by going and looking at the relevant portion of the Nicene Creed. And this will act as our launching point for this episode. The Nicene Creed contains these words about the return of Lord Jesus. He, Jesus, will come again in glory to judge living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. Now something interesting here, both you and I believe that Lord Jesus will return. That's right, this is one of those rare places where Muslims and Christians are surprisingly in agreement about a future event. But 
it's also one of those places in which our common ground gives way to differing beliefs and understanding about what will happen when Lord Jesus returns. Today, I will not be speaking about what the Quran or the Hadiths or traditions say about the return of Lord Jesus. Instead, you and I will be analyzing portions of Scripture from the Bible. However, as usual, I encourage you to look at the history and theology of the Islamic claims while at the same time putting our Christian claims to the test. In our last episode, I discussed the final book of the Bible. And the final book of the Bible is a book called Revelation. Fun fact! The word revelation is derived from the Greek word apokalypsis, which, according to the Lexham Theological Wordbook, is defined as something that is made fully known, a full disclosure. The Revelation of John is a written account of a vision John had while exiled on the island of Patmos. It contains the disclosure or revelation of the events leading up to and after the return of Lord Jesus. The book of Revelation falls into what is called apocalyptic literature. This is a genre of literature that uses highly symbolic language to reveal God's actions and coming judgments. Because of the symbolic nature of apocalyptic literature, I will not be giving an overview of the book of Revelation, and I have two reasons for this. First, Trying to assign literal meanings and interpretations to the symbolic text is difficult to do. If I were to give you my interpretation of the events of the entire book of Revelation, many points would be subjective interpretations, not something very concrete. Second, what myself and other Christian theologians do agree on with regards to the book of Revelation and the events of Lord Jesus' return is actually a direct result of material found in earlier books of the Bible. Now, when we look at the highly symbolic language and events in the book of Revelation, we can use other portions of the Bible to interpret the main ideas and themes of the book. Taken together, we can then gain a general idea of what will happen when the king returns. For the purposes of time and clarity, I will be dividing this episode into three main sections. Section 1. Lord Jesus returns in power and glory. Section 2. Lord Jesus returns as judge. Section 3. Lord Jesus returns to reign forever. Section 1. Lord Jesus Returns in Power and Glory The first biblical account we will be looking at today begins with the event of Lord Jesus' ascension. Acts chapter 1 verses 9 through 11. After he had said this, he was taken up as they were watching, and a cloud took him out of their sight. While he was going, they were gazing into heaven, and suddenly... Two men in white clothes stood by them. They said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up into heaven? 
This same Jesus, who has been taken from you into heaven, will come in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven. Now, you and I have already looked into the event of the ascension of Lord Jesus in the podcast, What is Pentecost?, as well as a recent episode titled, What is the Story of the Bible?, Part 6, The Conquered Grave. One of the key details we did not look into during those episodes were the two men dressed in white. Who were these two men? What were they doing there? And what do their words mean? Well, these two men were not just bystanders. They are also not the human disciples of Lord Jesus. These two men are angels. They are spiritual beings who are messengers of God, and their role during this event was to interpret the event of the ascension to Lord Jesus' disciples. And what was their message to the disciples? It was simply this. Lord Jesus will return, and when he does, he will descend the same way in which you have seen him ascend. Before we move on, I think we should reflect on this moment. You see, it's easy to reflect on the imagery here and think that the ascension of Lord Jesus was a quaint or tranquil event. We can sometimes imagine that he levitated peacefully upward until a cloud peacefully hid him from the sight of the disciples. Well, can I suggest that this event was anything but tranquil and peaceful? This event, the ascension of Lord Jesus, is a rending of the heavens, a tearing of the physical realm of earth, and an opening into the spiritual realm of heaven. This was an event marked by the power of God. As such, it would have been both awe-inspiring and terrifying for the disciples. When the two angels say, Lord Jesus, will come again in the same way that you have seen him going into heaven, they mean that he will descend with a display of the same power and glory as when he ascended. This is why, in the book of Revelation, John records for us a vision of the returning Lord. Revelation chapter 19, verses 11 through 16. Then I saw heaven opened, and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True, and with justice he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a fiery flame, and many crowns were on his head. He had a name written that no one knows except himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. The armies that were in heaven followed him on white horses, wearing pure white linen. A sharp sword came from his mouth, so that he might strike the nations with it. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will also trample the winepress of the fierce anger of God, the Almighty. And he has a name written on his robe and on his thigh, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, I hope just listening to that description gives you an idea why trying to assign literal meanings to apocalyptic literature can be very difficult. But even so, 
when we look at this account, what we can determine is that when Lord Jesus returns, he will return in glory and power. Now, this moment is actually echoed in a prophecy from the Old Testament prophet Daniel. Daniel wrote down a vision he had of the future return of the resurrected king. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 through 14. I continued watching in the night visions, and suddenly, one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was escorted before him. He was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, so that those of every people, nation, and language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. Now, if there's any doubt as to whether the prophet Daniel is looking forward to the day in which Lord Jesus returns, Let's listen to what Lord Jesus himself says regarding his future return. Matthew chapter 26, verses 62 through 64. The high priest stood up and said to him, Don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But Jesus kept silent. The high priest said to him, I charge you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Messiah the Son of God. You have said it, Jesus told him. But I tell you, in the future you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And there we have it. When asked if he was the Son of God, Lord Jesus replies by reiterating the vision Daniel had of the Son of Man. The implications are clear. One day Lord Jesus will return on clouds of heaven and will come in glory and power. Section 2 Lord Jesus Returns as Judge Now that we've established that Lord Jesus will return one day in the glory and power of God, let us focus our attention to what he will do when he returns. There is a key passage from the Gospel of Matthew in which Lord Jesus shares with his disciples what will happen the day he returns. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and take you in, or without clothes and clothe you? 
When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will also say to those on the left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you didn't take me in. I was naked, and you didn't clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you didn't take care of me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or without clothes, or sick, or in prison, and not help you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. This teaching of Lord Jesus is the quintessential lesson of what will happen when Lord Jesus finally returns from the heavenly realm and enters the physical realm of earth. Not only will Lord Jesus descend in power and glory, but as the Son of God, he will do so in order to render a final judgment on all of humanity. And now a natural question arises from this. How can all of humanity from all of time be present for this judgment? According to the Bible and Christian teachings, when the king returns, there will be a resurrection of all peoples. Some will be resurrected and given eternal life, and others will be resurrected and will be given eternal punishment. On the day in which Lord Jesus returns, he will execute perfect judgment on all of humanity from all of history. Now, what does the return of the king mean for us today? Well, we live in what is called the already not yet of history. Already, Lord Jesus has conquered sin and death through his death and resurrection, and yet he has not yet returned. The period we live in right now is a period in history in which God's growing family is called to be stewards of this world until the return of the King. This means we are called to love God with all our hearts, souls, and strength, as well as we are called to love our neighbors, just as Lord Jesus commanded us. We are to be good stewards of our families, neighborhoods, and communities, ensuring that the forgotten among us, the orphan, the widow, the foreigner, and stranger, are cared for and shown love. In addition to this, God's family is called to make the stories of Lord Jesus known to all peoples, nations, and languages. We are called to baptize new believers in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in all these ways taken together, we act as priests, prophets, and kings to those around us. In these ways, we steward this world while expanding God's boundaryless kingdom as our family continues to grow until the return of the King. Section 3 Lord Jesus Returns to Reign Forever 
In the episode, What is the Story of the Bible? Part 3, The Coming King, we looked at one of the prophecies of Isaiah that foretold how the coming Messiah would have a kingdom which will be established forever. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. Now we traced the lineage of this coming king all the way to Lord Jesus. As the Son of God, Lord Jesus is sovereign over everything. However, when he returns, his rule will be established forever as he makes all things new and establishes his rule over a new heavens and a new earth. In the next podcast... We'll be wrapping up our nine-part series answering the question, What is the story of the Bible? We will be looking at our final section of the Creed and discussing the impact of it on our lives. So if you want to hear what happens next in the story of the Bible, tune in next time as I answer the question, What is the story of the Bible? Part 9, God Makes All Things New. Once again, thank you so much for joining me. I hope and pray that as you continue to seek God, you ask for visions and clarity on all these Christian claims. And if you'd like some good resources on the material I cover today, I recommend taking a look at the Lexham Theological Wordbook and Dictionaries, which are available through software called Logos. I also recommend the CSB Study Bible, which of course is also the Bible translation I use. And if you don't have a Bible, I recommend downloading the YouVersion app and selecting the CSB version from the list of translations. That's YouVersion, as in Y-O-U version. And that sound means it's about time to wrap up. Before we close our time together, I want to remind you to hit that subscribe button and leave a review. The more reviews the podcast receives, the more it comes up as a recommendation for others. And the more it comes up as a recommendation, the more other folks get a chance to hear answers to their thoughtful questions. And speaking of questions, if you have specific questions about what you hear on the show, or want me to elaborate a bit more on a topic, send a direct message on Twitter to at Islam's Questions. If you want to support this podcast, visit www.safcchicago.com forward slash podcast. I also encourage you to reach out to a Christian friend or coworker and ask them about the things you hear on this podcast. If you hear something about Islam you didn't know before, research it or ask your Muslim friends or imam about it. Well, from my home recording studio in Little India in Chicago, Illinois, to wherever you're listening, I want to say thank you so much for continuing our conversation. Thank you, and God bless. God bless.